to the Practical Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate, I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. On our podcast today, we have an episode of Prophetic History, and today we're going to talk about Helen Cadbury. And yes, she's of the Cadbury chocolate family. And I've titled this Bibles and Chocolate because that sums up Helen's life. But the prophetic part is that God can use you. He doesn't despise humble beginnings. And she is an example of someone that really understood the importance of the simple Word of God. And so I cannot stress her story enough. And I really believe this will be interesting and that it will bless you. And I want to get into her story because it's just fascinating. And then after you hear the story, maybe, uh, you know, go to the store sometime this week and get you one of those Cadbury chocolates. My husband likes the little cream Cadbury eggs. I'm not a fan of those. I like their other chocolate, but I just thought this would be fun. So the next time you get a Cadbury chocolate, think about the story of Helen Cadbury. So uh, before I get into her story, I want to tell you a little bit about Cadbury chocolate. So she is the granddaughter of the founder of Cadbury Chocolates, who was John Cadbury. He founded the chocolate company in 1846. He owned a grocery store, and he sold uh, teas and cocoa that he imported, and he started making these uh, chocolate drinks. you got to remember, this wasn't common, so it'd be kind of a real special treat. And people were just crazy about this drink. It became very popular. And so he sold the grocery store, and him and his sons, one of them being Helen's father, who would later take over the company, they started the Cadbury Chocolate Company, uh, like I said, in 1846 in, in England, in Birmingham, England. Now, this family was a, a wealthy family already before they had their business, and they were a Quaker family, a very devout Quaker family. And so uh, let me back up and tell you when Helen was born, and then we'll get into her story. So she was born in 1877 in Birmingham, England, to Richard Cadbury and Emma Jane Wilson. And at the time, Richard was the president of the Cadbury Chocolate Company, along with his brother, and uh, he had inherited that from his father. He actually started it with his father, him and his brother. And so Helen is one of many of his children, but she is an heiress. And so she is one of the major heirs of this Cadbury chocolate fortune. And this company exploded. It became popular first in England and then throughout the Western world. And so Cadbury is synonymous with chocolate, just like here in America, Hershey or Reese's is synonymous with chocolate. So she grew up wealthy, but in a very religious Quaker home. And they were devout. And her father believed in charity and sharing the gospel. He had given like, for example, he had built a hospital for sick children. He would give money to causes. He was very big on non-cruelty to animals. Uh, they were pacifists. They didn't believe in fighting war. Uh, there were certain professions he wasn't allowed to go into, but he was a very shrewd businessman. So in 1889, when Helen is about 12 years old, her father is hosting an evangelistic 
meeting. And this is something he would commonly do. He actually built a theater there in Birmingham that he later gave to the city. But it was where he would host religious meetings, basically like uh, as as evangelists would come through town, he would host them there at his meeting hall. And so while she was 12 years old, she heard the the evangelist give an altar call, and she officially gave her heart to Jesus when she was 12 at this meeting. Well, she was so excited about this experience that when she went back to school, she took her Bible with her and began to tell her friends about what had happened to her. And several of them, you know, also prayed the sinner's prayer, and they got Bibles. And uh, she was very excited about sharing her faith. But she noticed that the Bibles were really big and bulky, and it was difficult to carry them around at school. And so she came up with this really cute idea. And she was a young girl, probably, you know, junior high around this time. And so she found these little pocket New Testaments, and the girls sewed little pockets in their clothes, uh, or, or had it where the Bible would fit right into those pockets, and she started a little club at her school that she called the Pocket Testament League. In fact, she made little membership cards, and you would, on the membership card, you would take a little pledge that said that you would uh, promise to read the Bible daily and pray daily and that you would share your faith. And so this became very popular at her school and she became a little evangelist. And before she knew it, uh, some accounts say 60 and some say 80 different girls immediately joined her club and it just sort of grew overnight. And, And there locally in Birmingham, England, it sort of spread around And uh, that became very important to her. It was a big part of her school years. Well, when uh, she graduated from high school, she went on to college in England and also in Germany to study music. She was also very musically inclined. Now, when she got especially to Germany, she said she met a lot of resistance to her evangelism and it was during those years that she sort of uh, I guess put the pocket league Bible idea to the side and she really was challenged in her faith uh, you know college and and everything and 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 the German people had a different outlook and so uh, it was a really tough time for her during this time and so she said that she really struggled in her faith during these years. Well, after she got back from college, her father will pass away in 1899 in Jerusalem, actually. And uh, she is tasked with uh, by the family with taking over a lot of his charities and his religious work. And so because she has uh, experience in music, she will help uh, facilitate, organize and host many of his meetings where she will also do the music and arrange, you know, for there to be musicians and things like that. Now, it is sometime during this time. Uh, and she's in her early 20s around this time, uh, mid, you know, early to mid 20s, that an evangelist comes to town. And uh, we think that the evangelist comes to one of the meetings that she helped organize and that she was involved in. I think that's pretty clear. I don't have, you know, full research on that. 
But in this time, around, this is going to be around the early 1900s, 1901, 1902, maybe 1903, she uh, encounters a man named R.A. Torrey, who's a famous evangelist. Let me talk a little bit about R.A. Torrey. So R.A. Torrey had worked with D.L. Moody, and he uh, evangelized in English and basically all of the Western world, all the English-speaking world. He, he went on a world tour. Now, before that, he had been superintendent of the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. And so he was kind of like the Billy Graham of his day, very big name, very you know prominent evangelist. And he traveled all over the world doing meetings. And so he uh, somehow comes into proximity of Helen Cadbury. And so we know that at some point their paths crossed. And Ari Tori had a music director that worked with him named Charles Alexander. So let me stop for just a minute and talk about Charles Alexander. He was from Tennessee. And so he had traveled for several years with R.A. Torrey, directing his music. He was sort of like his worship leader, what we would say today. And he was also a very prolific songwriter. He was a well-known gospel singer, songwriter, and then he traveled with R.A. Torrey all over the world. And so at some point around probably 1901, 2, or 3, we know that Charles and Helen meet and Charles went by Charlie and so he would have been probably in his early 30s and she was in her mid uh, 20s around this time and we know that in 1904 Helen and Charlie will marry and that will be a drastic shift in Helen's life she will begin to tour with Ari Tori and they will both do music ministry for him she will begin to do music ministry they will write songs, and uh, they'll tour with Tori on and off. Now, they'll also tour with other evangelists, but basically for the next 14 years, her and her husband are going, going to be central figures for several different evangelists, and they would do the music for these evangelists all over the world, Australia, Canada, the United States, Africa, England, you know, everywhere anywhere yeah they would they were uh, Asia they just went all over the world and uh, we know that in 1907 her husband Charlie really encouraged her to take the pocket testament league to the next level and so they make it official in 1908 well this is this is around the same time that they partner with another evangelist named John Wilbur Chapman. Now, let me talk about him for just a minute because he's a really important figure also. He is connected to D.L. Moody, but he's also connected to Billy Sunday. Now, Billy Sunday is one of the people who, if you go back and listen to the one about him, we did a podcast on him. He was instrumental in the life of Billy Graham later. And so Billy Sunday was a huge evangelist also. And so they're going to be kind of running in all these circles doing music, but they will be with John Wilbur Chapman for a good portion of that 14 years. And something that they did was Charlie and John Wilbur Chapman will pioneer mass door-to-door evangelism. Now, this was brand new. This was something nobody had really done before that was, 
you know, just not done. So he was very methodical about it, Charlie was, and he was really the main organizer. He put together little tracks. They would take a city, uh, take the map, set the city up in grids. They would recruit people from churches, and they would take singers, and they would take uh, people with uh, Bible tracks and prayer teams, and they would go out and do mass door-to-door evangelism, and they would target a city for about three to six weeks per city, depending on how big the city was, and they would do these campaigns, and then they would hold, like, weekend on weekend nights, they would hold big tent meetings, and they would invite people to come to the meetings, and so they, so they were very systematic about it. And the pocket Bibles, uh, the, the pocket Testament League Bibles were a huge part of this campaign. And so the two ministries definitely overlapped. And, uh, for example, uh, one of the cities that they campaigned, for example, in 1907 was Philadelphia. And in one month, because of this campaign, they saw over 8,000 conversions. They saw 8,000 people come to the Lord, and they put Bibles in the hands of all of these people, little pocket New Testaments. And so this was a big deal. And so they were able to spread the gospel all over. Now, remember, this started from this little 12-year-old girl who went to an evangelistic meeting that her father was organizing, and she gave her heart to the Lord. And this is what God put on her heart. I believe God prophetically put on her heart to share the Word of God. In fact, there's a quote here. Let me grab it that uh, Helen is famous for saying. She said, if only we could get people to read the book for themselves, it will surely lead them to Christ. That's amazing. What an amazing testimony that Helen's life is and the things that she did. And so the uh, the Pocket Testament League grew to be a worldwide ministry. Now, they're also doing other ministry at this time. Like I said, they're traveling, they're doing music, they're doing these mass evangelism campaigns. Helen is doing women's ministry. And then they also have the uh, Pocket Testament League, where they give out these little tiny Bibles. Well, in 1909, the uh, evangelistic campaign went to Canada, and then worldwide over the next two years. They take these campaigns, and they just go worldwide with them, and they see thousands of people in cities get saved. And so it's amazing, just an amazing ministry. Uh, In 1914, the Pocket Testament League opened an office in London. Now, this is during the time of World War I, and so it was very important for them to get Bibles to the soldiers, uh, specifically at this time, Allied soldiers who were fighting in World War I. Well, they managed in uh, 1914 alone to get 400,000 Bibles into the hands of soldiers. Just unbelievable. So every soldier, uh, you know, that would come through the areas they targeted would get a Bible. Unbelievable. What an amazing part of history. You know, I just, I've never heard this story. And when I eat Cadbury chocolate now, I'm going to think of Helen and her little pocket Bibles. And so what a testimony. What an encouraging uh, thing for us to know that It just started with this one prophetic idea that she had as a 12-year-old girl. Amazing. But there's more. So in uh, 1918, uh, Helen and her husband retire from touring. 
Um, you know, and they didn't have to do any of this. She's an heiress, extremely wealthy. This is something she was driven to do that she wanted to do. And so uh, we think that during this time, maybe Charlie had developed some health problems. You know, maybe he had picked up something in a foreign country. I don't know. But he retired. And so they come back home to Birmingham, England. And in 1920, at the age of only 52, Charlie passes away, leaving Helen as a widow. Uh, in 1924, about four years later, Helen will remarry a pastor named Reverend Amzie Dixon. And so uh, she will really then focus her energy on the pocket testament league she does end up writing a biography about charlie's life her first husband and later she'll write a biography about her second husband's life Uh, and in 1941 now this is when helen's a good bit older the pocket testament league's headquarters were destroyed by a bomb in one of the raids that the Germans made on England on December 29th at the beginning of World War II. And so the uh, headquarters are destroyed, but they did rebuild. And so they make it a point to try to get Bibles into the pocket of every Allied soldier. Just an amazing thing that they do. They do. After World War to uh, they're going to pioneer printing Bibles in the Chinese language, and they're going to send the Pocket Testament Bibles into China, which you got to remember that had never been done before. China was sort of one of these places that was very uh, untouched with the gospel. And so they're able to get those Bibles into China. Now, General MacArthur hears about this. Well, you know, the Allied famous American general, he hears about this and uh, he goes to Helen Cadbury personally and he tells her, listen, uh, you know, Japan has been destroyed that we, you know, we have defeated them. But now I want to go in with the gospel and I'm asking your Pocket Testament League to print 10 million Bibles that we can distribute in Japan as we help them rebuild. And because MacArthur was tasked with that. And so the Pocket Testament League uh, does even better. And they're able to print in Japanese 11 million Pocket Testament Bibles. Amazing. Amazing. And so I want to read this little sentence. Let's see. I've got it highlighted. A little note here that after they sent these 11 million Bibles, which, by the way, their members and their donations is what paid for these Bibles. This was not an inexpensive thing to do. And if you want to know the truth, Helen herself, uh, whenever there was a shortfall, because she was so wealthy, she just funded these projects. And as a result of the gospel being shared in Japan, Captain Mitsu Fuchida, who once led the attack on Pearl Harbor. Now, this was a former Japanese general who had led the attack on Pearl Harbor. He accepted Christ because of the pocket Bibles that Helen Cadbury had organized and that General George MacArthur had asked to be sent to Japan unbelievable i'm telling you if you will follow god if you will follow the vision god puts in your heart that prophetic destiny on your life there is no telling who it will touch and actually later captain fuchida ends up later working for the pocket testament league (laughs) distributing bibles it's unbelievable 
No one could have foreseen that. Just absolutely amazing. In fact, if you go to their website, the Pocket Testament League website, you can read his entire testimony, which is just fantastic. And so we're going to come forward in time. In the 50s, they're going to do their Africa campaign, and they'll send over 5 million Bibles and various dialects in Africa to the African peoples. And that'll be an amazing campaign. And then in the 60s, as the Cold War really ramps up, they want to make it a point to get Bibles into communist countries. And so they start this campaign of getting Bibles into the hands of people who are behind, you know, the Iron Curtain and behind communist countries. And so that becomes a huge part of their ministry. They smuggle hundreds of thousand Bibles into Russia, which is just unbelievable. They have them printed in in the Russian language and things like that. And they smuggle those in. In 1969, Helen will pass away. And so we see that after Helen passes away, the ministry continues. She had made provision for that ministry to keep going, and uh, they will distribute Bibles even up till today. So this ministry is over 115 years old and still going strong. And the last count that I saw on the website is they've distributed over 100 million Bibles of these little pocket New Testaments, and they have over 700,000 members. Unbelievable. And so what an amazing ministry. What an amazing life. You know, she was an heiress who could have just done charity and music her whole life, but she really wanted to do more than that. She really understood the value of the Word of God. And God put a vision in her heart to do these little Bibles when she was only 12 years old. Now, you know, could she have ever envisioned where her ministry would take her, how many lives it would touch, and the impact that it would have even today? An unbelievable story. So I hope this blessed and encouraged you. I hope that next time you eat a Cadbury piece of chocolate that you think about Helen and her Bibles. And so I hope this blesses and encourages you. Have a blessed day. today's podcast. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll be informed next time I post. Thank you again and have a blessed day.